0: Our good Father, we ask You once again that You would graciously speak to us in Your Word, that You would show us Your Son, and that You would give us life according to Your Spirit. And it's in Your name we pray. Amen. So there is a small group of people in our church that you could label cancer survivors. and. Some of these stories are uh, very public and many others know about the journey and have joined in. And other of these stories are actually very personal and very private where only a few know what's going on. And in in a church our size, there's a lot more of these stories than you might think. Uh, when it comes to surviving cancer, it's very different than surviving a war or surviving a car crash or something like that. When you survive a car crash, it's something that is, is done and over, and once the danger is past, you are in the clear. Uh, cancer is different. There are some times where you are diagnosed and you have surgery and it's removed and it's done, but the majority of times with cancer when it's treated is it's not cured once and for all it goes into something that is called remission and that may mean that there's no traces of it that can be found at that moment but there is always this underlying concern in life that it's going to come back at some point some of you are in this right now some of you have friends and family who have gone through this or who are in it What this looks like practically for some in this room is that every three to six months, you're going to go in for what is called scans. And these scans are going to evaluate your body for traces of cancer anywhere. And so what this produces over time in these individuals is a new way of life. And so there is in the background, this shadow that always looms over this, this threat that never quite goes away, and you go into the doctor's office for these scans, and you receive a negative report, which is good, but in the back of your mind, it's, it's still hanging over you that this is not in the clear once and for all. You know you're going to be back in this same room in three months or six months, waiting to see if what you dread has returned, and this is a difficult way to live, but it's also a picture Of the kind of life that every one of us in here is called to live. It gives us a picture of what the Bible describes as a life of faith. And so we're in our final week of this series going through the Psalms looking at what it is like to live in a life-giving relationship with God. And we've seen that there are these certain rhythms that The Psalms describe in the fullness of what faith is like. We worship. We will give thanks. We will grieve. We will return. We will plead for help. And this morning, we trust. Waiting and trusting does not come easy for any of us. And so that's why we're given prayers like Psalm 62 that help guide us and give voice to our hearts in these difficult places in life. So there are three things that I want us to see and that we are going to need to embrace if, if trust is going to become a way of life for us. And so this morning, we're going to look at the why of trust. We're going to look at the what of trust. And then we're going to look at the how of trust. So the why, the what in the how trust so why does the the bible and the psalm talk so much about trust so if you if you travel out to the midwest especially in the farming communities many of the houses that you are going to go to are going to have what's called storm cellars and many of us have seen examples of these on the wizard of oz or movies like twister but if you go around the Athens area, you're not going to see storm cellars anywhere. But if you go to a place like Oklahoma, and Tricia who grew up there can attest to this, you're going to see thousands of these storm cellars scattered across the state. So people living in this region find themselves living in a dangerous place. So what happens is you've got... the the warmer air that's coming up from the south and from the equator that meets cooler air coming down from Canada and the Rockies. And when when these two weather systems collide, it creates powerful storms and a region that's called Tornado Alley. And so if if you go to these homes and you ask them, why do you have a storm cellar? It's not going to be because we were looking to have a man space or a she shed and we couldn't do it in the house and so we're going to do it under the house in this cellar. The reason is that we live in a dangerous place all the time and when these storms come, when we hear these sirens, we need a place to hide and safe. I want you to think about the prayer that's before us and how God is referred to multiple times as a rock as a fortress as a refuge and in a in a moment we're going to talk about what that tells us about God himself but right now i want us to think about what those identity markers tell us about life in the world we live in If you went home this afternoon and spent the afternoon reading and praying through all 150 psalms, what you would see is they capture the wide breadth of human experience, the highs, the lows, ups, downs, everything in between, the the breadth of human emotion. And so as you read through these, you can ask the question, how often really does God talk about being a rock or being a refuge Or being a fortress? How significant of a theme is it really that we need to consider in our own lives? You'll find it talked about in Psalm 2, Psalm 5, 7, 11, 14, 16, 17, 18, 25, 28, 31, 34, 36, 37, 42, 43, 46, 48, 52, 59, 61, 62, 64, 71, 73, 78, 89, 91, 94, still going, 95, 104, 118, 141, 142, 143, 144. Often our conception of the Psalms is just these prayers where these people long ago in these lives of faith were just happy. God was good, life was good, and they're celebrating. When you read through the Psalms, there is a lot of talk about God being a rock. About us needing God to be a refuge. Needing Him to be a fortress. Whether we like it or not, our lives are in Tornado Alley—that's where we live, day in and day out. Verses three through four just give us one small picture of this. How long are you going to attack to batter? We're like leaning walls, a tottering fence. These only plan to thrust them down from high positions. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. This particular psalmist is looking at a situation in life where he says. There are people who are out to get me. There's real danger. My life is at stake. That's that's one particular manifestation of what it likes to live in this tornado alley of faith. There are many others. Sickness, job loss, financial ruin, false accusations, abuse, natural disasters, crime, evil forces and more think about the difficult things in your life that you have been through the storms that you have weathered think about what's going on right now in your world think about the things that you are afraid of in the future the potential sirens that go off and what they will mean for your world what do you dread what do you fear We live in this place of danger, and whether we like it or not, our lives are fragile and frail. As strong as as we would like to think ourselves as as being independent, there's a certain fragility. You feel it when you're holding a a six-week-old like baby Nora Bartel. You feel it when you're sitting next to your 90-year-old grandmother holding her hand as... She takes her last breaths. There is this inescapable reality that our lives are fleeting and frail. And in between, we face constantly things that are beyond our ability to control. Threats, forces, storms that are beyond our ability to manipulate and fix to whatever we want. Verse 9, those of a low estate, but a breadth. Those of a high estate, delusion. The balances they go up, they're lighter than a breath. What he's saying, rich or poor, powerful, weak, privileged, oppressed, wherever you find yourself, you're weighed up and found to be like breath and air. Or as another psalm says, our days, they're like grass. We flourish. We're like a flower. The field, the wind blows on it and it's gone. The place doesn't even remember it anymore where do you feel your own weakness your own frailty where where do you sense storms of life are coming up and threatening you and your existence where do you find yourself in need of refuge safety protection a rock that comes around you and says I will shield you what are you worried about what are you afraid of that's the why of trust now The what of trust. So I think that the time that I have been most afraid was when I was on a hike with my family, central Florida. I was probably around 10 at the time. And if you've ever spent time in central Florida, you know that in the summer, in the afternoon, these thunderstorms that are incredibly powerful can can roll in suddenly upon you. And so we, we were out on this hike. When we went in on it, the weather looked clear and beautiful. And all of a sudden, everything turned dark. And, and as a kid, we would often count the length of time that would pass between when you see lightning in the distance and then you hear the thunder. And that would give you a sense of, OK, how far away this danger really is. When, when we were on that hike, there was there was zero gap between what we saw and what we heard. Uh, crash after crash after crash, flash after flash. They all went together and I'm 10 years old and I'm, my life is over, I'm sure. So I'm scared out of my mind. And, and one thing is very clear in this moment, that we're in danger and I need a place to hide quickly. Now, in this moment, we've got two main options. Number one is about a half a mile away, there is a shelter. Uh, There's a shelter with an overhang, uh, with restrooms, with other people. This is the safe and secure place to hide. The other option is that we can find one of these trees that we're standing next to and all huddle together underneath them for safety. So when storms come, our natural response is to look for safety. But our tendency is often to look for safety in the wrong places. There is a reason why we didn't just look at these giant oak trees around us and say, hey, I have a great idea. Let's hide underneath one of these with this lightning going around. We were hauling for what was a safe refuge for us. A problem comes up for us when we look for refuge and safety in all the wrong places. And in the psalm, it picks up on just one of these. There's, there's many of them that we'll talk about. But verse 10, put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, if they grow, do not set your heart upon them. What's highlighted here is just one of the places that we often turn to for refuge and for safety, and that's money. There's a danger in in looking at some of the problems in our life that we have right now. Uh, Some of the problems that we look at that we will have in the future and say to ourselves, that if I just had more money, this would not be a problem. If I just had more money, I would be secure. If I just had more money, I could be at peace. If I just had more money, all would be well. When when the pressures of life really push down on us and when we see these storms in the distance, our automatic inclination as humans is to run for safety. Money is just one of the places that we run to, that we look at, that we hold on to like that tree and say, this is going to work for me. It feels sturdy. It feels safe. Surely lightning can't get to me while I'm holding a tree. We distract ourselves with entertainment. We comfort ourselves with food. We escape with sleep. We numb out on alcohol, drugs, explicit material. We get on our our phones and we scroll and we scroll and we scroll. Where do you find yourself running to? What are those places of safety that you run to for security? For hope, for peace, for joy. And as you look at it, do you find it delivering on what you hope in the way? Is it saving you? Is it a good refuge? This prayer is showing us a better way. Look at verses 1 and 2 and then 5 and 7. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. And then five, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. While we might be talked about as as a breath or as grass that's fading, God is talked about as something that's secure something that is stable, something that is unshakable, rock, fortress, refuge. This is God coming down to them and their culture, to their level, communicating something very important about who he is. He's pointing to a rock that's strong and sturdy and saying, that is what I am like for you. He's pointing to a fortress that is strong and safe, And saying, that is what I am like for you. And notice what's repeated. For God alone. For God alone. He alone. He only. God is trying to communicate that what you're looking for is not going to be found out there. Nothing else is going to give you the peace that you are looking for the security that you are looking for, the comfort that you are looking for. Nothing else is going to give you the joy and stability that you are looking for. God is saying, I alone am what you need. I am the refuge, the hiding place, the fortress, the rock. Which brings up the question to each of us, is God our rock? Is that our experience of Him? Or is it something very different, something very distant? Is he the one we find ourselves running to for security, for safety, for shelter? So we have the why of a trust. If we're living in Tornado Alley and we're fragile people, the what of trust? We're looking for refuge in all sorts of places, but God alone is the security and safe place that we need. And it brings us to our final point, the how of trust. So much of my job as a pastor involves sitting with people who are in very hard places. People who are saying, I long for my cancer to go away for good. I long for my dad to be healed. I long to be married. I long to have a child. I long for my child to be healed. I long for my child to return to the faith. I long for my spouse to be different. I long for a new job. I long for a new home. I long for close friends and a sense of community. I'd long to be done with this personal struggle that just doesn't seem to go away. And in these moments, as a pastor, I feel this internal compulsion to try to fix. Here's a problem, and there's got to be something that I can do to make it better. And I'm slowly learning that that is not my calling as a pastor. My calling is not to fix, nor is my calling to look you in the eye and says, "God is going to fix your life and your world exactly the way you want it if you just have enough faith. If you just have enough trust, It's going to happen." My calling is to remind you of His goodness, of His grace and to say verse 8 Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. What God is saying here is he's saying I want you to take all your fears. I want you to take all your frustrations. I want you to take all your desires, all your doubts, all your angst, all your energy, all your anger, and I want you to pour it out on me. And I can take it because I love you. But I want you to dump it all out on me. I don't care what your friends or family can't take. I can take all of it. What I want you to see and what we need to see is that trusting God and pouring out our hearts go hand in hand. Trusting isn't something that just you have or you don't. Uh, some people are good at it and some people are terrible at it. Trust is something that is cultivated, that is grown. It comes from an act again and again of pouring out, of coming in again to say, God, I need you. God, here's what is going on in my world. Be this for me. And one of the blessings of getting older is that we have a lot more to look back on. As I get older, I can look back and see God's provision. I can see His protection. I can see some of His wisdom in answering prayers just the way I wanted. I can see some of His grace in answering prayers in unexpected way that were better than I asked. I can see His wisdom in saying no to a lot of things that I asked for. And there's still things I look back on and say, I don't know why you did that. I don't know why you didn't act in this way. But what happens as we go through life, trust is meant to grow as a people of faith. And it happens, the how of it is by pouring out time and time again. Would you characterize your own relationship? Or maybe, let me ask it a different way. When's the last time you feel like you really just poured out your heart? To God, unfiltered, full, this is what's going on. There's an invitation and a call to do that, but not just to do that once, but for it to become a way of life. Remember the Psalms, this series, this is what it looks like to live in a life giving relationship with God. It is not pretending that all is well. It's not just saying God is good. I have no problems. Remember all those Psalms God talks about. As a refuge, I want to close with this. That's that's a big part of the how of trust. The second has to do with Jesus. When you read through the New Testament, especially uh, parts of Acts, Jesus is referred to as a rock in his own way, but he's described as a rock that was given to the people, and that the people looked at and said, "This is trash." We're doing away with it. We can't build on this. And God says that through a prophecy long ago, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Acts chapter 4. This Jesus whom you crucified, God raised from the dead, this stone or this rock that was rejected by you, the builders, has become the cornerstone, the foundation, which everything in our lives is built upon. And this, there is, no, there is salvation in no one else or nothing else. For there is no other name under heaven given among us by which we must be saved. This psalm is ultimately pointing to Jesus, who is the perfect embodiment of our rock, of our refuge. And there's a reason why in the New Testament, you hear about all of the blessings that we desire are found in Jesus in Christ in him is repeated over 80 times he's our safe home and so I'll end with this is is Jesus the rock that our lives are built upon is Jesus the refuge that we run to that we cling to for safety it doesn't mean that the storms are going to go away but it means that we have a safe place in the hands of God Himself. Is He our only hope? For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On Him rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Let's pray. Our God, we thank You that You move towards us in the ways that we need You to. We thank you that you are our rock, that you are a refuge, that you are a safe place that we can hide in. You are one that we can pour out our hearts before you, our anxieties, our fears, our frustrations, our sins, our weaknesses, everything about us. And you take those and you welcome us and you don't leave us as we are, but you transform and change and comfort and help and support and heal so we look to You. Would You help us to be a people who walk by faith in the One who loved us and gave Himself for us? And it's Your name we pray. Amen.